Welcome in to Bears Weekly, a Chicago Bears Network production. Download the Chicago Bears official app. Brought to you by Verizon to follow the team on the go. Bears Weekly is brought to you by Advocate Healthcare, Athletico Physical Therapy, Bet Rivers, CDW, Connie's Pizza, IGS Energy, and Miller Life. Here are your hosts, Jeff Choniak, a.k.a. the Mayor of Bearsville, and his sidekick, Tom the Surfmaster Thayer. Championship weekend ahead in the NFL. The Bears working towards getting back there. Something they've done only five times since 1970. A new take on the Bears offense with the hiring this week of Shane Aldrin, his offensive coordinator from Seattle, where he called plays for three seasons. So it's time to rock and roll. My broadcast partner, Tom Thayer. The Super Bowl winning Bears guard and former Bears quarterback Jim Miller from Sirius XM NFL Radio is moving the chains. Thanks to our producers Jordan Treadup, Dan Burley from the Bears, and tonight in the ESPN 1000 Chicago studios, Jake Cantu and Sean Greeny, the executive producer of Bears Radio Network, Eric Ostrowski. Good evening, one and all. Thanks, fans, for listening. Tommy, how you feeling today, buddy? Oh, I'm feeling good. You know, I'm excited about the week that um, took place up at Hallis Hall. You know, the most interesting thing, I think, if you have a career in professional sports, is once your first opportunity at the highest level um, is gone, how quickly does that next opportunity come? And when, um, you know, I get cut as a player, you kind of hope that your phone rings again to give you another opportunity. And I think the same thing goes along with the coach. And um, I'm glad that the Bears have identified Shane Waldron to be the next leader of the offense. And I'm excited to see what he can do with this group of guys. What's your vibe about him? What are you, what are you thinking? You know, I, I like that he has experience in calling plays. I like the experience that he's had in the difficult division. I like the fact that he's taken a guy like Geno Smith that a lot of guys have given up on, and he turned him into a, a Pro Bowl player. And I think that is really interesting to me because the difficulty of the movement of the quarterback position in Seattle, you know, he never lost his conviction to the type of system he wanted to run no matter who was playing quarterback for him. So whether it's Drew Locke, Russell Wilson, or Geno Smith, and the program was successful the whole time he was there. Yeah, last two years, Geno, 32 games, 7,900 passing yards, 50 touchdowns, 20 interceptions, a 96.5 QBR, 521 yards rushing, two touchdowns, uh, and pro bowler, comeback player of the year, and a playoff game. So... <laughs> right. That's a lot, well, that's a lot of good math, and, and, and you, you got to give uh, a lot of credit to Gino too, because he always believed in himself. He he never doubted it, and this was just a perfect mix of coaching. And got to give Dave Canales, his quarterback coach, who became the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, now uh, credit as well uh, for working uh, working out the math and getting everything done, surrounding with the right people. Well, you know, that's the psychology of coaching. You have to make sure, no matter who you're coaching and the the depth of the position you have, that you can convince whomever you're trying to coach to get ready that they can be successful within their system. And they have the ability as the player to go out there and play at an NFL level. So I I like that um, as, as much as any aspects about Shane. All right, we haven't met him yet, we haven't talked to him, but, you know, you put two and two together about what he comes with him. Sean McVay, obviously somebody that is significant to him, and uh, that system carries over in many different cities now in the NFL. Uh, But it is a system that includes running the football, zone rushing to set up some deep shots, and they had 
some really interesting characters there and Metcalf Lockett and Jackson and Jigba and, and two really good young running backs in Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. A uh, lot of motion, a lot of quick release, find the open short to intermediate and make something happen after the catch. And the use of the tight end, former tight end himself at Tufts, where he played his college football. Also, Tom, you'll be happy to know he's a long snapper. He was a long snapper. Right. You Shane Waldron was a long snapper. Let me tell you something. My first roommate in the USFL was a guy named Mark Bubin, who graduated from Tufts University. And I never thought I'd hear of another football player from <laughs> Tufts. And then when I started reading his bio, not only is he born on August 17th and I'm August 16th. Ah, there and then you go. I, then I see the Tufts University in his background. So it's it's fun it's fun to see that. And yeah, um it seems like the tight end position and the long snapping position used to go hand in hand yeah. back in the back in the NFL days. Um and and so I I like that what his um you know, his building blocks to where he's gotten you know, have been a, a lot of different coaching personalities, a lot of different elements of trying to learn the different aspects of what you said, motion and, you know, the use of the tight end, good running backs, good wide receiver. But it's all according to the talent that you're offered. And yeah. so I don't think that you can come in here and have a system and say, okay, I'm going to put, I'm going to use this specifically. Okay, let me study my assets. Let me see where I can start. Is this system teachable enough where you can include those motions and do you have the practice time to what well, all to those – yeah, but it has to be. It takes a while. You know, when you have specific motions that fit according to um, listen, looking coverages and trying to give some defense to give you some clues, it's it's super specific and it's got to be perfection, not general, not general uh, areas. Right. Well, what's yeah, speaking from an offensive lineman's perspective, the same goes there. It's got to be specifics, right? Right. Right, but you know, there's just a lot of things that go hand in hand when you talk about motion in an offense, and nobody will be able to tell us that better than Jim Miller. So, you know, right. I, I just and, think and, it's and something the, we watch. And then the big thing too is, I, you know, I, I was just on with Waddle and Sylvie uh, for a little bit, and and the idea that this is maybe not going to be um, that much of a departure scheme-wise from what the Bears had. And I am i don't know for sure. I mean, the language could be different. I'm sure it's different. The play calls and how they're, how they're charted, how they're called is an art that has to be a feel. It's got to be a setup. But I don't want to – I mean, I'm glad it's not like a complete redo and everybody's got to take a couple years to learn it. I mean, that's not, that's not going to help a team that's ready to take that next step with the haul they're going to get from the draft and free agency and the further development of the current players. But the language is going to be different. different, different. Yeah. And that's the most difficult aspect of making sure that all 11 guys are always on the same page. And no matter what system you're talking about, there's going to be 11 guys on offense, there's going to be 11 guys on defense. And everybody sitting in that room is not an A student. So it's going to take different levels of learning when you try to um, incorporate – the new a new language into an offense that you know everybody else, everybody has the responsibility of spending a little bit of extra time studying all right well they're putting together an offensive staff around Shane Waldron and uh, the Bears also looking for defensive coordinator help a couple of uh, known reported uh, candidates Chris Harris our good friend obviously the defensive passing game coordinator at Tennessee and the former Bears cornerback assistant head coach and defensive line coach in Tennessee Terrell Williams 
Uh, also, uh, a report that the Bears asked to interview Eric Washington, who was with Lovey Smith's staff here for several years. He's the assistant head coach, D-line coach for Buffalo. I'm sure there'll be more names. We're going to take our first break, Tommy. When we come back, we'll hopefully be joined by Jim Miller. We'll break down what's going on with the Bears in terms of what they have to offer. Look at many different aspects of things as it relates to Shane Waldron. And a look around what's news right now in the league, and that's the head coaching carousel. Uh, only two jobs left, Seattle and Washington as we speak. This is Bears Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. This segment of Bears Weekly brought to you by IGS Energy. Jeff and Tom with you, and we'll have Jim Miller along in just a while. Uh, as an aside, check out our Bears Etc. podcast wherever you get your podcasts, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, episode 52 already. Tom and I have enjoyed it. Uh, we got Bears kicking legend Robbie Gold on his career and playoff kicking pressure. Obviously a lot of discussion on Tyler Bass, the breakdown there, some really good stuff. And, uh, Tom, we had a good time. Yeah, it was. You know, Robbie's a super intelligent guy. And until you listen to the podcast, I don't think you can really understand how much um, – information that he tries to digest to help the special teams coach but his way of thinking whether it's on a kickoff on a extra point or field goal to help the punter to help the snapper and it's it's really it's interesting and uh, the specific details that go into the condition the field conditions the outside conditions the wind and the weather and then uh, trying to get the the punt return guy or the kickoff return guy that's uh, placed in a disadvantaged position. All right, we got Jimmy on board now from SiriusXM NFL Radio's moving the chains. He's been watching the uh, the coaching carousel spinning out of control. I, I didn't realize this, Big Jim, and good evening. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Atlanta settling on Raheem Morris, but one of 14 candidates that they interviewed for the head coaching job, and one of those candidates was Bill Belichick. And so 14, talk about doing due diligence. We start there. Has some of this been surprising in terms of the volume of interviews by some of these squads and, and what's happened so far in this, this round of head coaching hires? Yeah, I think it's, it's by no surprise, I think, for, for Carolina that they get a, a first-time head coach in, in Dave Canellis. I mean, that, you know, I don't know any a veteran coach that was going to deal with with an owner that obviously is very involved in his team, somewhat meddling uh, at at times. So I think we understood it was going to be a first-time coach. So good luck to, to Dave Canellis and, and what he has going there in, in Carolina. Atlanta is somewhat baffling because you already had Raheem Morris in the building. You know, he, he was there. They had him as an interim head coach, and he did fine. He's a leader of men. He's all those things. He went out to the Rams, obviously got another uh, Super Bowl there, and then they bring him back when they could have hired him in the first place. You know, and it just seems like the the same type of move there uh, for Atlanta. You've got other coaches that were decorated coaches that have done it uh, for a long time and been world champions like uh, uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, who was interv- interviewed there. So you, you thought that maybe they were going to go in a different direction because that owner wants to win now. There's, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of other pushback there. There's a lot of status quo in that building. I, I think some uh, higher-ups there as well did not want to shake up uh, the apple cart there because, uh, you know, they have a lot of control. So I can, you know, it's kind of surprising that they went in the direction that they did. And I like Raheem. I've spent time with Raheem. He's a great coach. There's no doubt about that. But, 
they could have hired him the first time around. So that's somewhat baffling. And Harbaugh, obviously, landing out there for, for the Chargers, I think makes a lot of sense. You know, he's he's got ties there when he coached uh, in Pacific, obviously Stanford, and had success there, and obviously moved on to San Francisco and was successful there. And then, of course, going back to Michigan and winning the, the national championship. So I think there was a big uh, – you know, uproar that for for them to land him to really see what he can do with with Justin Herbert. So that's not a surprise. He'll probably add a a GM here soon. I think it is it could be that uh, uh, Brandon Brown from uh, the New York Giants. I think uh, he and Jim have already talked. So I would think that's going to be a, a soon coming announcement as well. And then we'll see what happens. You got two spots open, right? Seattle and uh, and obviously Washington. And I would think uh, for the Washington group, I, I think the leader in the clubhouse is Ben Johnson of the Detroit Lions. And uh, they've had him, both Aaron Glenn, in there. Now, whether they can wait two weeks, it happened last year, right? Arizona waited two weeks, and they signed uh, Jonathan Gannon. Uh, so, you know, don't be shocked if that happens. And then we'll just see with uh, Seattle what direction they go in. I think Dan Quinn would probably be the leader in the clubhouse there, and I wouldn't rule out Mike Vrabel up there in the great Northwest as he and John Schneider have really crossed paths before. So all around pretty interesting. Belichick could be shut, at, shut out unless there's a – you know, a coaching move that we're surprised about, you know, a late yeah. firing that could surprise and, us. And if Bill does not uh, land a position of any kind, uh, short of head coach, I don't see him being interested in anything else, but it would end a 49-year stretch of coaching consecutively in the NFL, whatever position was for Bill Belichick. So quite quite the run, and I, I, I'm certain we haven't heard the last from Bill, no matter if it's a, a different hiring cycle or whatever the case may be. But, Tom, I know you and I both feel very strongly about Aaron Glenn. And, yeah. I, and the reason I do is because of what people have told me about him in the past. People have worked with him uh, and have studied him. He is a great head coaching candidate. And But, again, offensive coaches get most of the love right now in the modern-day NFL. Yeah, but, you know, that doesn't always mean it's the right decision. You know, yeah. I you know will Bell Bell will Bill Belichick leapfrog a guy like Ben Johnson because maybe they thought they never had an opportunity to get a guy like Belichick, so maybe he jumps to the a, a, a candidate in that group. And then you know our my our experiences with Raheem Morris in the NFL. You know he yeah he was in Atlanta. He got fired by Tampa Bay. He did some front office work, and then he went to be a, a coach on the West Coast. If you got to tell me that a guy like Aaron Glenn is not a better fit for Atlanta when he has just been um, an observer of what Detroit had to do to turn that organization around, the role of the front office, the role of the emotions and the commitment of the head coach, and then his the way he you know kind of addresses his players in game type of an attitude. To me, I, I would like. Um, I hope Aaron Glenn gets an opportunity because if, if I had the choice between Raheem Morris or Aaron Glenn to go to Atlanta, I would have gone to Aaron Glenn just because he's been a part of what it takes to build a, a franchise that's been on its knees for 25 to 30 years to get himself into a, a possible, you know, Super Bowl opportunity. And, but you know, you, you never know, like Jim says, you never know that if people are trying to shy away from meddling, owners like in Carolina or Atlanta, they felt that they knew enough about Raheem Morris that he was easy to come and uh, plug and play. And it'll be interesting to see how all this goes to me. I, you know, is Ben Johnson a candidate? 
because he's living off of the personality of, of a guy um, like Dan Campbell, who is so emotional, so personal with the players. He's got total control of that locker room. And so I'm interested to see if he has that personality, those personality traits that can go from the sidelines of a play caller to addressing a team in a team meeting to open up training camp. And I want to add one thing just about, because you're right. I mean, these guys, you know, even Brian Callahan getting signed uh, there by Tennessee. I mean, yeah, I think we understand it's to bring along the young quarterbacks or Canales down there to bring along young Bryce Young. But let's not forget, Bill Belichick's a defensive guy who developed Tom Brady. All right, Pete Carroll is a defensive guy who developed Russell Wilson. Uh, John Harbaugh is a special teams coach who developed Lamar Jackson. Uh, D'Amico Ryans is a defensive coordinator who has the rookie of the year in C.J. Stroud. So uh, the guys who are developing the quarterbacks, you could make a hard argument. It's the defensive guys and who they put as O.C. develop the young quarterbacks. So it doesn't always ring true just because you hide, hire the, the next great offensive mind or what you deem to be the next great offensive mind for a system that's not going to equate success it's defensive guys have developed and had good quarterbacks that they have developed and drafted and brought along well Gerard Mayo and Antonio Pierce now in those roles uh former defensive guys with the Patriots and Raiders respectively as the head coach and I guess the Canales one surprises me the most of just having one year uh, and granted, he's had his hand in helping develop two veteran quarterbacks, get them back on their feet, so to speak, in Baker Mayfield this year and last year with Geno Smith. So you got to give him credit for it. Uh, and then, you know, about Vic Fangio leaving Miami mm-hmm. and, and going over to the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Tommy, that one, I, I, you know, I don't know the behind the scenes. Jim probably has a better viewpoint of that, but maybe it's wanting to get closer to home. Maybe it was not a good fit with the head coach there and Mike McDaniel. Yeah, you know, the thing that surprised me about Vic, if Jim Harbaugh would have been hired three days earlier, would Vic Fangio end up in L.A. with Jim Harbaugh? Since they have a past, Vic is coached on the West Coast. He's familiar with the personality of Jim Harbaugh. It would have been interesting to see how that would work itself out. But Vic Fangio, if he's looking at a template of defensive personnel, it's hard to pass up an opportunity to go and try to get the best out of those guys. It would have been interesting to watch Fangio reunited with uh, Khalil Mack out there in L.A. So, you know, there's a lot of interesting things that the coaching carousel is going to spit out this year. Jim, you have any insight on that Miami situation? Yeah, I do think going back home to Pennsylvania, that's where he's from, has family in the area. And obviously him being a consultant the year prior, I don't disagree with Tom on the, on the timing. Maybe if that would have been a sure thing, uh, that may have been an opening where he could have used as leverage, obviously. But uh, I think he felt good about going back home to spend some time with some family. All right, we're going to take another break here on Bears Weekly. We'll talk more Bears with Jim Miller and Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak here on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. This segment of Bears Weekly brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an in-clinic or virtual appointment and start feeling better tomorrow. Jeff Joniak, top there. Jim Miller from SiriusXM, NFL Radio's Moving the Chains. Jim, I, I, you know, you're on the national skate stage, but here in town, every minute is, is only discussing the future quarterback position of the Bears, what Ryan Poles is going to do, what, 
What does he need to do? What do people want him to do? What's Justin's future? Are you going to move that pick? Are you going to package one and nine? What are you getting? I mean, we have four months of this, and we knew this was going to happen, but just scanning the globe of reactions from Bears Twitter or X and fans and listening on the radio, it's something, Jim. It yeah. is exactly what we thought it would be. It's unescapable. Yeah, no, we get the, the calls on, on SiriusXM, and you know, I, it seems like it, it, it's like split that you got to do either or. Like if you, you know, trade out of pick number one means you're sticking with fields and, uh, you know, want to build around them, uh, and nobody wants to draft a quarterback, or it's vice versa, draft the quarterback and get rid of fields. You don't have to do that. You can do both. You, you can do both. And I've, I brought this up numerous times. I mean, ju- they're going to have to decide on the fifth-year option with Justin. If they choose to slap the fifth-year option on him, it'll be about $23 million bucks, twenty to $23 to $25 million. You can still draft a quarterback with one, develop the, the, the young player. And if Justin Fields, you know, uh, plays well, you know, you you p- could potentially offer him a, a long term, and that that could be the same. Could be said if they don't put the fifth year option on Justin, like what Daniel Jones happened for the New York Giants. They didn't place the fifth year option on Daniel Jones. They let him play out the year. He guided them to the playoffs, had a good year, and they rewarded him with a contract that has easy outs. And I've been saying it. It does. It's not a contract like Lamar Jackson's, like a Joe Burrow's, like a Justin Herbert's, or Kyler Murray, or even. Uh, like a Deshaun Watson. You know, it has an out clause that, yes, he's being paid well. He's being paid at the starting quarterback level. And then you continue to develop the young the young quarterback. And if Justin plays well, you could offer him a long-term contract there or franchise him is what you could do. And you have his rights for another year while you continue to develop a young quarterback. Green Bay drafted, drafted a first-round quarterback who sat for three years. And it's happened before. I say it about San Diego. At that point, San Diego, they had Drew Brees. They drafted Phillip Rivers first round. Drew Brees was the starter. They slapped the franchise tag on Drew Brees. Then he had the unfortunate injury to his shoulder. Then they turned it over to Phillip Rivers. Dallas had Troy Aikman. They drafted Steve Walsh supplemental draft first round. They had two first-round quarterbacks. And Troy Aikman, obviously, was 1-15 in 15 his rookie year, and then the rest is history. Uh, obviously, Walsh never essentially touched the field. You can do both, and there's nothing wrong with having a competitive quarterback room. No, we all agree with that, for sure. But I'll tell you one thing, Tommy, if I may. Yeah. yeah. After watching all these playoffs, one deniable word just keeps popping into my head. Offensive line? The word is special. That's two words. Special. <laughs> To get to where you want to go, you got to have special. All right, how about this? Let so me ask special. Both, let me ask both of you guys your reaction. All right, now Shane Waldron comes into the building, and then in three to five weeks, he's got a very specific opinion of how he feels about the quarterback position in going forward. Would you respect what he wants to do and say he doesn't want to take it with no, no, the first pick in the draft 
but he's willing to, you know, find a quarterback. What do the Bears have the ninth pick in the draft also? Yeah, yeah. So and so they they get they bring in a special guy at number one, and then they say, hey, we can we can go down to number nine and get this other quarterback, and still have high two high still have a high first round pick quarterback to get into that developmental seat. So are are you going to take from a guy you just hired to come in and develop this offense? and respect his opinion after he gets a chance to study what the Bears did in the last couple of years? Or is is this a, a Ryan Poles decision exclusively? I think they probably vetted his opinions about it all already in the interview process. But in well, the end, you Jim, can't, I, this Listen, he oh. doesn't have enough time to study the product at the interview. I need him to sit down and look at the reps to look at the seven-on-seven reps in practice, look at the game reps, look at uh, study a bunch of, um, in, you know, uh, you know, you, you understand the play call, you understand Situ- what situational football, just yeah. everything that takes in evaluating a quarterback. Jim, Jim well, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think they'll they'll all have an opinion. Obviously, Ryan Poles will have the decision, plus the ownership yeah. for the first-round pick will have a big say in it as well. Obviously, the owner last year had a big say in drafting Bryce Young, who I don't think Frank Reich was on board with. He wanted C.J. Stroud. Okay, but uh, all I'm saying is this. You passed up Deshaun Watson. You passed up Patrick Mahomes, right? Because – Basically, Kansas City traded up from 28 to 10 to get Patrick Mahomes. They knew who he was. And they knew Cardinals and the New Orleans Saints also knew who he was because they were trying to trade up to get him. You just passed up C.J. Stroud. I don't think you want to pass up the next one. Yeah. With that, we're going to take a break. That That's a good exclamation point right there by Jim Miller. With Stop there, I'm Jeff Joniak. we, right, we got a break. Is Jim saying Caleb Williams is the one? Well, we don't know. We'll find out on the okay. other side. <laughs> All right. The good old-fashioned tease, Big Jim Miller, here on Bears Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. Want VIP access to every Bears home game? Exclusive seating, sideline credentials, and more now available. Get the ultimate VIP fan package this season by visiting ChicagoBearsVIP.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller. Jim, since we teased you, <laughs> you got to take it from there, and then we got to get into something with Tom because Tom is just letting me have it in the break. So go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I think a lot of people do think Cable Williams is a special guy. You know, not only – is he talented with his legs? He's every bit as talented throwing the football. Now the other things matter, the intangible side of it, how good of a teammate is he, You know, how does he treat people, what type of person is he, all those things matter because you want to draft the right guy, right? He is the face of the franchise, you know, if they were to draft him. But all those boxes have to be checked, and that's true for Drake May or Daniel or any other quarterback uh, that is drafted. You know, let's not forget when they traded uh, to – or when they – got picked up uh, Mitchell Trubisky uh, when they selected him, you know, he did take the bears to the playoffs uh, two years, you know, coaching changes, all those things, new offenses that all the things that Justin has been fighting as well. You know, this is a change for, for Justin. So, but nobody questions the talent uh, of Justin Fields. I've said that. I mean, he's tough. He's a good leader. People love him in in the building. Um, You know, he's everything that you want. It's just got to be more consistent. 
right? It hasn't been there yet. But who knows this more than Ryan Poles? He was in Kansas City when they traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. They knew who he was when they traded up to get him. And he sat for a year behind Alex Smith. That's what I'm saying. It can happen in Chicago, too. You know, you can develop two guys. Shoot, even when Washington, they drafted Robert Griffin III, they traded up to number one, and they still drafted Kirk Cousins in the fourth round who Wally pipped him. Yep. <laughs> okay. which, 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 don't forget your thought, Tommy, because, you know, you, you think back about that Washington coaching staff, because if I'm not mistaken, was that, was that 2012? Because the, all these guys we're talking about all were coaching on that team with Mike Shanahan. That whole Washington brigade. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay was the tight end coach, Matt LaFleur was the quarterback coach, Mike McDaniel was on the staff, Raheem Morris was on the staff, Bobby Slowick, mm-hmm. the Houston Texans, he was on the staff, and I'm probably missing some guys. Yeah. Wow. That was yeah. back that's that's ten years ago. Anyway, Tommy, hey, you had something. You know so you're talking about the evaluation of the quarterback position. And so you look at Patrick Mahomes when there's no NIL deals. And so you're in, you're a poor college player back then, and you, you're not leaving college with any money. And then you speed up to the modern-day quarterback of Caleb Williams, and now you're leaving college with a few million dollars in your pocket already. Do you think that affects the evaluation or the way they're liked or disliked by their players? Um, and, you know, then Patrick Mahomes, he has to come out of college and he has to make money, whereas you have some of these guys that are leaving college with a pocket full of money, and so, they, you know, you don't come out as desperate as you do as a poor player. Yeah, and I think that goes in the evaluation. How, how much does a guy love football? You know, because I agree with you. I think he, he had a lot of success there at USC, and then this year it didn't go so well. He had a couple of moments, you know, I think that Notre Dame game that did, did not go well. And I, I think he's going to have to answer for those things. So what type of person are you entering, uh, having enter into your building? Those things matter. You know, there's a reason why the Lions are having the success that they're having with general manager Brad Holmes. Every one of those guys – knew what they were signing up for. The players that they drafted are hard-nosed football players that love football. Every one of them had impact. Brian Branch, the safety out of Alabama. Laporta, who's like a mini George Kittle out of Iowa. You know, you look at Gibbs. Everybody poo-pooed the Gibbs pick. You know, Gibbs is a great player. I mean, every one of their draft picks love football. And they know that Dan Campbell is a hard football coach. Those two guys from Alabama know what hard coaching is. They were under Nick Saban. I know Nick Saban well. He was at Michigan State. He's a prick. Okay? And uh, Dan Campbell, he can be that way too. And every free agent that signed there, the word on the street was Cam Sutton, who came from Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is another hard-nosed city, he wanted to play for Dan Campbell. Every one of those guys signed up and knew what was expected in the building. They know it's no nonsense, and they love football. Let's go get it. Look where they are. And if you don't have those guys, forget it. I don't care if it's Caleb Williams or whoever the Bears draft. If those guys don't love football, I don't want them. You don't yeah. want them. Bears hey, fans don't want them. boy, Jim. boy. You hear Matt Eberflus talk about it all the time, and so does Ryan Poles. They want guys who love football. Love football and nothing else matters. Love Football and and yes, there needs to be additional alphas brought to the team too. 
And yeah. that quarterback position's got to be an alpha also. And well, listen, that, when you look at DJ Moore and you look at Montez Sweat and you yeah. look at TJ Edwards and you look at Tremaine Edwards, you exactly. look at, uh, um, you know, uh, Tyreek Stevenson, Brisker, Stevenson. Uh, um, Kyler Gordon, you Darnell. look at, you know, these, yeah, Darnell Wright, all these types of guys, you look at them and you're, the process is changing. And I think the more of those alpha males that are positive influences in the locker room, the more competitive you make the whole building from the weight well, room Jim, to the practice field. And you know, uh, again, Ryan Poles experienced that. They knew that about Patrick Mahomes. That's why they traded up from 28 to 10 to get him. So if he's at one, or he's at nine, or wherever, you get him. Period. Right. We can, and again, we. I say this. We can close our eyes and see which which teams draft and bring in players like you just described, and we know where they where they exist. We know they are in the National Football League. That's all there's to it. And in this city, I, I think it requires it. It requires it to move forward. All right. Listen, you're a quarterback. I'm just some sh- short, fat guy. <laughs> Tom is an offensive lineman. I, I think he's feeling lonely, Jim. We, we only are talking about quarterbacks and how you need a quarterback to win and to be special. But the guys up front protecting him and clearing the lanes for the run game, he wants to embrace it a little more. Tom, don't be offended. I'm not, know, it's well, it's the time to talk quarterbacks. But let's talk the offensive line. Jim Miller let's is- do it. Jim Miller instigated this topic a couple of weeks ago, and when you talk when you talk about what how many sacks the Bears gave up last year and how many sacks that they gave up this year and the, the whole the whole sack process of the offensive line, you know the sh- short yardage, the important third and one and fourth and ones that you know factor in the outcome of a game. When you have a you don't have the bread and butter when you're talking about the end of that Detroit game when you needed to get that last first down to put yourself in an opportunity to beat a team that's playing for the NFC championship game this week at home, that could be another stepping stone and proving point to where your team is going. I I just don't think that, you know, you can only talk, you know, emphasize what the, the quarter, the importance of the quarterback position, but not emphasize if you don't have a good offensive line, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback because I think it's going to get even more difficult for that guy to come in, whether you're experienced like Justin or inexperienced by whomever they could pick and think that they're going to be the reason the offensive line is better. Looking for five pillars or, you know, or developing guys. Let me ask you this question because I heard something about another team and I can't remember what it is now, but you know, some of the analysts are, well, they, they can, they can hide this guy. He's good enough, but he's not, you know, there's always somebody you're targeting on an offensive line to kind of beat. And, you know, maybe – do you believe in that philosophy? It better, it better be a guard. Yeah. And, I'm, and yeah. I'm a guard. It can't be a center. You can't have inefficient snaps. You can't get beat up. You can't be pushed back into the lap of the quarterback. It can't be an offensive tackle. Look at the, the left tackle for Buffalo getting pushed back into the foot of Josh Allen. He tries to make a touchdown throw – but he can't follow through because his left foot's getting stepped on. So, yeah, you know, and I'm talking about the position I played. So you, can you have a guy that's good and capable and is a tough guy and he's he'll play hurt and he'll play hard and, you know, that type, he can have that type of role? Yeah, but it, it can't be the edge and it can't be the center. Jim, did it ever affect you when you and your, your teammate, you, you're, you're loving up your guys up front, 
did it affect you on certain play calls that it made you think more about, is he going to block this guy? Is he going to do his assignment right? Is there going to be a mental error more than you focused on the play? Did that ever leak into your psyche a little bit at No, you have to be oblivious to the pass okay. rush. You're, but, you're but, you, but you believe, you believe though, yeah. that some, it does affect some quarterbacks. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you trust that those guys are going to do their job, and you have to be oblivious to that. You're tr- but you've got to be able to feel it. You know, if a yeah. guy comes free, if I know I can see color when I'm dropping back, my eyes are downfield, but I see maybe the right guard is slipping up uh, on the, the tackle and he's got a swim move coming at me, and you got to feel that, and so what? I'm going from one to three, dumping the ball down. Look, look at the teams in, in the playoffs right now. Brock Purdy's been sacked 28 times all year, 28 times out of uh, 444 dropbacks, all right? Uh, look at Jared Goff. He's been sacked 31 times all year. And they throw the ball quite a bit. But, you know, you got Penny Sewell. You got Taylor Decker. You got Frank Ragnow who's probably one of the strongest centers in the league. We recognize out there in San Francisco Trent Williams. But that the rest of that group are not so so special, I don't think. I don't even think they're as, as good as the, the O-line that I had with the Chicago Bears. There is a certain rhythm and timing that you have to get rid of the ball. Those guys cannot win every single block. They cannot, you know, pick up every single blitz. Sometimes they are going to win defensively, and you're the last line of defense to get rid of the ball. You have to get rid of the ball and make decisions. And so that's a big part of it too. But yeah. having a good old line is a part of it. Absolutely. you, you got to have guys that can play. I saw this. Inside Edge is a stat company. They, they sent some stuff. The top blitzed offense in the NFL this year. The Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. 31 sacks. He gets top rid of the ball. Blitz, top blitz team. Chargers were second. Packers were third. Saints were four. And the Vikings were fifth. So three teams in our division <laughs> were the most blitzed in the NFL. All right, we got to take a break. That's Tom Thayer, Jim Miller. I'm Jeff Joniak. One final segment to go here on Bears Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. This segment of Bears Weekly brought to you by CDW. People to get it and get the ultimate VIP fan package this season by visiting ChicagoBearsVIP.com. I guess we should say next season because this season is down to four teams and the championship games this weekend. Before we dip into that because the 49ers playing host to Detroit and the Bears tied San Francisco for the most interceptions with 22, tied for fifth in total takeaways. It was the first time since 2010 Bears had three players with four or more interceptions. And I just want to talk defense because we're only focused so far uh, this whole offseason already and almost a month in talking about uh, the quarterback play. But things that are needed defensively, uh, and obviously Jim and Tom, the first thing that pops into my you absolutely have to find another edge rusher of significance, whether it is through the draft, uh, where there doesn't seem to be a huge cachet of talent in that regard, at least high end, uh, or in free agency. Would you guys say, would you collectively, do we agree that you got to have another edge rusher of note? Yes. Yes or no? Yes, I, I do. I think, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I like Demarcus Walker. I like the enthusiastic approach he has to the game. But I think if you're going to have uh, an ability to dictate uh, protection, especially if you play against an offensive line that has um, an exposure to it, it's got some vulnerability, I think that you need an extra special guy. 
I, I think your guy opposite Montez Sweat needs to be a double-digit sack guy. There you period. go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, Chase Young, who was traded, uh, he obviously opposite Montez Sweat, he's only, I think he's at three-and-a-half sacks or four-and-a-half sacks for San Francisco. I don't pull up the numbers, but he's got 73 pressures. All right, mm-hmm. 73 pressures. All right, so you you need a double digit sack guy. You're 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 cooking with gas when your two edge rushers are getting double digit sacks. Period. Yeah. The end. And and the engine in this defense, of course, is three technique. And Justin Jones yep. did a very nice job yep. this year. I I would look to to retain him, but also have another because an, I want rotation. I want I want fresh guys coming up there. I want a bunch of bad. You know what's. Uh, Ombre's in there to, to to wreak havoc with the young kids they got last year. So three technique defensive tackle. If there's somebody special out there, that's going to make a world of difference. Also, and yeah, they you have see that space to do this. Well, you see that sack that that rookie for Tampa Bay had against the right guard for Kalisha Detroit Kansi? last week. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, beautiful. It, it, it was a beautiful move. It beautiful. was textbook, and it, it resulted in a sack. I mean, you know, you need that type of efficiency, ability, quickness, and pressure by that position in order to allow those exterior rushers to capitalize on that. Yeah. Hey, Jim, yeah. guess who leads the NFL in uh, pressures this year? Who was the number one pressure team? Ooh, it was I, Detroit. I, yeah, Detroit, and I, either that or I was going to say, well, Baltimore was up there with the sacks, but, and yeah. they may get, uh, they may get uh, Houston back this week he's been practicing full speed so they may have a little oh, bit more. really a lot of people are underestimating I didn't even know that yeah so houston had eight sacks last year you know and they threw him he in was there trouble. towards middle of the year yeah it's played his started the last six out of eight games and they had eight sacks yeah some I mean, against the bears sadly I mean, yeah. he, he was da- he's got a dangerous little spin move like aiden hutchinson yeah all right well let's 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 start there let's let's break it down a little bit we only have a few minutes to go jim uh we'll, we'll keep it short on these games but uh, at San Francisco, Detroit at San Francisco. I, I know uh, you you got a lot of Michigan love out there, but where are you going on this one? Yeah, I do like San Francisco. I think uh, they were, you know, the weather last week, but Purdy put it together when it mattered the, the most. He is, they're both top five in scoring. I expect, I would take the over uh, in this game because I do think uh, uh, San Francisco, as of late, they've given up uh, running-wise. And so I do give Detroit a, a chance out there, but I will take San Francisco. They're even in the run game. So Detroit's got, I think, 25 t- or 27 touchdowns. San Francisco, 25 rushing touchdowns. But both their passing games are on par. But I think it's a high-scoring matchup. Tom? You know, I never heard the crowd louder in San- any San Francisco game, whether it's at Old Candlestick or the New Park, than it was last week. And I think crowd noise will have, uh, a, you know, kind of – hurt the efficiency of Detroit and their their ability to communicate if they have to make a play change. So I'm going with San Francisco. Last time uh, Detroit won a real playoff game, 1957 at Kizar Stadium. That was San Francisco's original stadium back there. Okay, AFC, I think it's going to be some kind of war. Lamar Jackson against Pat Mahomes, two former MVP quarterbacks. Jim, where are you going? we got uh, a minute I, to go. Minute, minute yeah. left in the show. I will take Baltimore. I like them better in the trenches on both sides, uh, but – Kansas City, I mean, he's special, but uh, give me Baltimore at home. And a home conference game for Baltimore, Tom. First time since Johnny Unitas was quarterbacking against George Blanda and the Raiders 51 years ago. You, you, just ta- you just talked about edge rushers, and the worst part of the offensive line for Kansas City is their offensive tackles. So look for that Ooh. defensive line to play 
play havoc up for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm going with Baltimore and San Francisco as well. I mean, the point differential for the Ravens this year is plus 203. They only trailed for 85 snaps in the second half all season. So they've been... They've been flying high. All right, boys, we got to run. Thanks to everybody once again, all our producers, and thanks uh, specifically to Jay Cantu and Sean Graney. Uh, a lot of good football to come here as the Bears offseason rolls on, and we'll be talking about a Super Bowl duo for the next two weeks after this weekend's game. That'll do it for us. Black and Abdallah coming up next here on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears Weekly, hosted by the mayor of Bearsville, Jeff Juniak, and Surfmaster Tom Thayer. Podcasts are available on the Chicago Bears official app. Bears Weekly has been brought to you by Apple Podcasts, Bet Rivers, IGS Energy, and Miller Lite.